By the way, it, it's kind of funny. Is Matthew Tinsley here? He's one of our SENT students. He dreams a lot. Tinsley had a dream last week. Many of you may not know this. We're going to do a better job of... Um, you need a microphone. You better go find one. We're going to do a better job of promoting things we do here. I have a sports talk show called Billy and Blockhead. And the father keeps giving me these dreams, and I'm like, is this literal? He really has plans to grow this thing because it reaches a lot of people that would never come into a church. You need to check it out on Spotify. Tinsley gave me a dream last week that the father really just has desires to grow the show. And you ought to tune in because it's just two common people who love God. It's me and my college roommate. I'm Billy. He's Blockhead. I named him Block in the third grade. And um, this, the Holy Spirit's already getting this show into the hands of people that probably wouldn't go to church. And so spread the word. Get on Spotify. It's really funny. And it'll be very humbling talking about Georgia football this week. How are you? Great, how are you? Let's go crazy for Bo Cable this morning. We, on the back of our property, have a garden. A literal garden. And uh, this is how it happened. I was at Mike Hardegree's house. I don't think you were there. I can't remember. You might have been. And I just, I'm really like a three-year-old with the father. And I, I felt like the father said plant a garden. And there had been some conversations about it with some other people. And then this is what he said. Uh, meet with Bo, start connecting with Bo. And what I did through Bo and Nikki in the past, I'm going to do it here. But before we go to the past, let's talk about right out here. How, how far into this are we? Eight months, nine months? About eight months. Yeah. So eight months ago, we planted a literal garden. Yep. Tell me, I'll go into the why in a second, or maybe you can too. What is going on out there? What's it been like? Let's talk about this garden out here. What do we do out there? We are preparing the soil. We're, we're, we just got through doing a, uh, having a well drilled and um, got all the beds almost 100% ready with drip irrigation. But we're, our goal out there is a, is a couple of different things. One is to actually plant produce and give it away to families that are struggling. So they'll have a healthy alternative instead of just canned food and bread that uh, people give away easily. Um, it's hard to grow vegetables, though, and make them look good and taste good. But um, also we wanted to create a place where people could have a sense of community and meet the Father. I don't think you, me, or the team saw that coming the way it would manifest. No. Matter of fact, there was a former elder here, and he said, I know this has to be God because there's more efficient ways to get food into the community. But it seems to me that the father has that garden. He's the gardener, John 15. He has that garden because a lot of people in our faith community are finding connection with the father out there. They are. How, how have you? Here's what I noticed about you. you I've known you 10 years. You, you and the Rudisills, the Harrises, you probably... When I became lead pastor and Wendy and I started leading, you've been here the longest. I've known you forever. Yeah. I'm, I've watched your journey with the Father. It was about a year ago where you said, listen, I've been successful in business. I want to know Abba. Yes. We met at Eggs Up, and you, I, I, could, I could just hear in you, been there, done that. You don't know how much longer you got on the earth. It's like even if you live another 50 years, it's not that long compared to eternity. You want to know Abba. How has that garden impacted you in your relationship with the father so my personality type i'm a high d i i, I get things done 
and I want things done yesterday, and I don't like it when things take time. And so I remember when you were telling me, go slow. The Lord's going to teach you to go slow, and I have not liked that one bet. I've wanted, I've wanted all that out there grown this year. I wanted millions of pounds. I wanted, you know, so God's used that for me to slow me down and for me to start watching what he's doing, not what I'm doing, but what he's doing. And also just also learning how he works in other people. I've heard multiple stories of people that just came out and have served and hear their own testimony of how God met them for them just showing up. I never thought God would just show up in some of those situations. It was so cool just to watch. So for me, it's been more of a journey of letting go, slowing down, and let him instead of me. It's bad theology, but I, I once told Shayla Ramos, I said, God is more in the mountains than he is in your real life. I was being facetious. I also say that God is more at those ponds than he is at conferences we host. And I'm being facetious. Do not come up to me telling me why I'm wrong. I know I'm just using words. I'm also saying that he's more in that garden. You know what? I, I have a song I want to sing with the kids. All right, kids, look at me. We're going to sing a song, okay? It's called Glory, Glory to Old Georgia. I'm just kidding. All right. <laughs> I grew up on this song. He's got the whole world in his hands. He's got the whole world in his hands. He's got the whole world. Holy Spirit woke me up at 3 a.m. last night, and I started reading John 14. And it's funny how the older I get, the reason I'm on this earth is not just to get to know Jesus, is to get to know Jesus and how he takes me to his Father. When you know the nature of someone, you can predict their behavior. Have you ever read Genesis 1 and 2? He did not put Adam and Eve in a big city. He put them in a garden. God is unpredictable and he's also very predictable. And one of the things about God that I do not like and I'm not very good at, he is the slowest moving person I've ever known. The father prefers a crock pot and then he won't plug it in for 10 years. We are the ones that have a hard time acclimating to Abba. The father is slow. I'll never forget one time he said, Chad, I've got all the world, I've got all the time in the world. And I'm like, well, that makes sense. He's eternal. All right. I am a big believer, Bo Cable, that our message typically comes from whatever our mess is. In life, you're going to learn that your mess will end up being your message one day. I was looking at uh, Jessica over here holding her baby, and I remember prophesying over you from on, the, on this stage at one of those conferences. I can't imagine how many people y'all are going to reach just through your own journey. Uh, had a meeting with an employee this week, Laura, talking about some things she went through as a child, and now it looks like God's opening up a pathway where it's not just sharing her competency, but I'm watching how when we go through a mess, God will use that mess to become our message. I had a nervous breakdown. I tend to really help people uh, who really, really, really don't know the Father, and they feel hopeless and depressed and very anxious. You and Nikki started a garden, not this garden, but another garden called Generous Garden. I want you to do two things because your mess became your message. I want you to talk about the Generous Garden and then I want you to go back to when the story you told the elder board that time, we were all emotional, of a time in your life when you had no food. Tell your story. 
Yeah, so the Lord moved us to South Carolina. Um, and when we got here, I wasn't sure what I was supposed to do. And it was, you hear those stories of people, oh, God sent us somewhere and all the doors just opened. Mine didn't. <laughs> I had no clue why we were here. I just know we're supposed to be here. And um, every, it seemed like every door just wouldn't open. And um, I felt like the Lord said, uh, start a chicken farm. I have never grown a chicken in my life, people. <laughs> and my wife was like, why don't you start with vegetables? Because my heart was for the hungry people. And, uh, and so that's what we did. We just started with just me, my wife, and kids. We, we found some commercial property. And we literally just had like, what, two rows, Nikki? We started with, and then somebody heard about it. They showed up. And somebody else heard about it. They showed up. Next thing I know, this thing grows into... Uh, an organization that became worldwide. We, we have generous gardens in Europe and in India, uh, a couple of different states, um, been on documentaries, won all kinds of awards. It was amazing. Um, and here's what I'm really excited about. Yeah. I want to go back to your story of when a passion for that was birthed. It was in probably the messiest season of your life. Yeah. So there was two times in my life that I went through extreme hunger. One was at four and a half years old. Uh, I remember as, a, as four years old, I was wherever I was at at the time, um, opened the refrigerator, there was nothing in it but a can of beer, but of course I didn't know it was that. I, I, I took a sip and like, whew. And uh, I crawled out of this house and was wandering around and ended up at a old timey fruit stand. I crawled underneath the uh, chicken wire and was eating the food, and, and uh, the police came by and found me. When they found me, they said I was highly, uh, really, uh, I didn't have any nutrition in me, malnourished. And my baby teeth looked like black coals. And so it was a, it was a journey there of going through a lot of hunger. Um, then I got adopted, and then uh, at age 15, found myself again without uh, parents and, and lived on the streets. And so from 15 until around 26, I had to fend for myself. How long did you live in that hotel? I think off and on for five years. If I remember correctly, this is either a word of knowledge or I'm way off. The man who owned the hotel or someone there had a big impact on your life? He did. Tell that story. Yeah, so <clears throat> it was one of those old econologists and at night they lock up, you gotta go to a window outside. And uh, so it was about midnight and I'd been sleeping anywhere I could find, either uh, docks or um, abandoned houses, people's cars, I'd pray, I'd wake up before they went to work. Um, and I just really missed a bed, wanted a bed. So I tried to, I went to this window and I tried to con a free bed that night from this guy. And, um, he wouldn't, he, 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 he saw right through it. And, uh, so I left and I actually spent the night that night, uh, on a loading dock at the, behind the ABC store. And the next morning I went to the mall and was just walking around aimlessly hoping something would happen. Didn't know why, but I was leaving the mall and, uh, I'm, he drove by. The only reason why I knew it was him is because he had this really awesome brand new Mustang GT. And he come driving by, and he said, the, the Lord told him to come find me, and that you would find him at the mall. And he was to take me in, give me a job, feed me, and put it in my mess, which is messy, because I was angry. 
I'm getting a father showed me a picture right now. I want to play this song. You probably, everyone in the room, unless you're really, really young, will probably under notice the song pretty quickly. I hear this in my spirit. U2's probably top three most famous band in world history, I would guess. And the whole premise of that song is I still haven't found what I'm looking for. Everyone in here, we actually have the exact same destination. And it's not Jesus. It's Jesus first, but then he takes us to the Father. Really. And I felt like Bo, as Bo was talking, there's some of us in here you feel lost. You, you may have food. Your story of hopelessness, hopelessness may not be what Bo's was. All of us in here are actually on the same journey, and it's not to figure out what the Father wants you to do. Americans are awful at that. When you stand before the judgment seat, you're not going to talk about that much. And um, I think some of you just need to really, really be patient with yourself. Some of you are really good friends with the Father. And some of you are trying to figure it out. I give Sylvia Lockerbie a hug almost every Sunday when I see her. She lost the, the love of her life. Her journey, losing her, her husband, her journey is actually the same as my journey. You know, she's not a 49-year-old male with three kids and one in college. But what she needs right now is what I need. And it really is an intimate connection with the Father. Some people are um, in this room are have so many wounds towards the Father. And some people are just almost like best friends with him. Wherever you are on that journey, be patient with yourself. Richard Foster is an author I, I read a lot. He says that the Father is the hound of heaven. He is the one that is pursuing us. He hounds us with his love. Before I jump into another question, I want to speak a blessing over this church particularly. I bless this house that we all will be patient with ourselves and one another. And Father, I am asking for such a radical, revolutionary breakthrough of the knowledge of you, Abba. Holy Spirit told me something last night at 3 a.m. He said, Chad, you're a solutionary. And I said, a what? And he said, everybody in the world has a problem and you have the solution. The solution to every single problem you've ever had or ever will have is the Father. Yes. I'm preaching good right now. <laughs> if you got something to write, write on, I want you to grab, pull out your phone. I want you to write this down. There's five capitals that every human on life lives their life through on all seven continents. Here are the five capitals. The first is spiritual capital. Up under that is relational capital. Up under that is physical capital. Up under that is intellectual capital. And then financial capital. What's the point? Spiritual, relational, physical, intellectual, financial. Most of the world flips that, what I just said, upside down, and they live first for money. Notice what the highest capital is. 
Spiritual capital. What is that? It's deep connection to the Father. If you will focus on spiritual capital in your life, all the other capitals have a way of accidentally falling into place. You and Nikki are successful. You're an entrepreneur. You're in all sorts of things, real estate. You and and your wife are um, very gifted and favored in that area. You got plenty of money, but yet about a year ago when we met, you you really said, I just I want spiritual capital. What does a person do to increase their spiritual capital? For me, I call it my snapping point. It, you gotta get to a point where you're just what the insanity. What what is that? Doing the same thing over and over again, just getting the same results. Well that's that's where I was at. And um, I just had to get to a point where I had to step aside and let him. When I did that, that's when a lot of things started falling in place for me. You've got to die to self. All your desires, everything. I like what you said, let him. Let him. You know what my first step is? Allow the Father to love you. Yes. Now, I'm going to tell you, this, this is probably the hardest thing you ever do the rest of your life. We're, we're all pretty similar. We look different. We all talk kind of funny. People have the hardest time receiving love from him. I was driving down the road about six months ago, and I said, is there anyone in my life that I need to extend forgiveness towards grace and mercy? And I was not prepared for his answer. He said, yourself. He began to take me on a journey where I had no idea I had so much judgment towards myself. All that is, is an inability to receive love from the Father. Sometimes people that struggle with spiritual capital are those who have been in Christ for a long time. You know what the person who's been in God for a long time, even leaders, you know what they need? Love, forgiveness. First step in spiritual capital is receive love from the Father. Okay, how do you do that? The number one way to do that is to find every scripture you can get your mind on. You Do it yourself. Don't like you research the scriptures, write down every verse you can find on what the father thinks of you, feels towards you. Like do it yourself. Mm -hmm. I started crying at 3 a.m. last night because for the fourth time I'm rereading this book, Imagine Heaven. I mean, come on, Alex, it'll it'll destroy you. Like it's all about love. All these people that have these near-death experiences, like they literally die on, on operating tables, car wrecks, and they come back into their body. All these stories that were formulated and, and um, classified by this pastor in Austin, Texas, who used to be a skeptic named John Burke, every single encounter, the, the Lord is overwhelming these people with his love. Randy Kay, who's good friends with Sean Tabbitt, wrote a book on his encounter in heaven. I'm going to bring him here to communicate. He wrote down 31 principles he learned in his encounter. And the number one principle was Jesus and the Father and the Holy Spirit love everyone on the earth as though you're the only person on the earth. Well, if it's that easy, how come we all struggle with it? So there's a practical step in spiritual capital. The practical step, what if you took the next year and you wrote down every single verse you could find? Don't wait on someone else to do it. On what he thinks about you and watch what begins to happen. Because if I'm not receiving love from Abba, I have a very difficult time giving it away. If I'm receiving love from Abba, do you feel, the pre- you feel that presence right here? Goodness gracious. Every single time I'm receiving love from the Father, it's just a lot easier to forgive and Extend grace. People that walk in judgment, they're not terrible people. You know, they just 
there's, a, there's like a, a hose that gets a kink in it. And when you kink a hose, I got kind of a funny story. So I'm not like you. You can fix stuff. I really can't. And uh, at all. I got a dead battery in my car again. You think I would just fix it. I'll have to have a team of people come put the battery in. And I was pressure washing last spring. I was so mad and thought just wasted all this money on the pressure washer. I did. I, for about 10 minutes, I pressure washed. And it wouldn't work. And the reason it wouldn't work, because there was a kink in the hose. When there is a kink in the hose of the love of the Father flowing into my life, all the other capitals are kind of wonky. As we close, and before I bring Andy up here, give our faith family, if you could tell this faith family one thing about hope in the midst of when it doesn't look hopeful, what can a person practically do to cling to the Father? What would you tell them in this Advent season? For me, I've had many times to remind, I think that I'm reminding the Father, but sometimes I wonder if it's just not reminding me of his word. But I would always say, Father, don't you remember when you said in your word, it all goes back to the word. You get more of the word in you, it helps build your faith, helps build your hope. So for me, some of my darkest times, I had to continue to repeat the word of the Lord over my life. And I'm reminding myself, even though I thought I was telling him, (laughs) he loves us. I'm telling you. There's a part, uh, but what I hear you saying is like on all five capitals, let's take financial capital. For instance, I read this week that Dave Ramsey has now helped. I think where I, I read 63,500,000 people get out of debt. It's fun to get excited about that. Do you know how practical it is? He has seven steps you and uh, Nikki are a part of his network. It's not this mystical, oh, it just happened. There's a pre- To all five capitals, there are practical steps that you take. And what I hear is saying is in spiritual capital, the first step to take is to remind yourself what the word says about what he thinks about you. And a lot of times people who, who just want approval from other people, we even change our personalities and our behaviors, it's all because there's a kink in the hose. I want to speak a blessing. There'll be no kinks around here. I just bless this house, seriously, from the bottom of my heart, that there be no kinks in the hose. And Father, I ask that it just be a season, an open heaven season of this faith community, just receiving love and being swept off our feet by you. Start with me. Start with Wendy. I told uh, Michael Thornton this morning, I feel like I'm getting born again again. And I know it's bad theology. I get it. But you know what I mean? If you're not careful, you can get so distracted in life and your job that you just stop receiving love from him. It's intoxicating. We are solutionaries. We have the solution to every problem in the world. Abba. Amen.